the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the last Sunday of the Coptic year. The Coptic New Year begins this Tuesday, the 12th. It's typically on the 11th, but due to the leap year, it's on the 12th. And as you probably, if you were paying attention to the readings, the readings are focused, they're not, um, they're a bit difficult, the readings today. Because, the, because, again, the, reading, the readings are all focused on the end of times. And throughout the history of Christianity, you will find writings where most, if not every generation, is convinced that they are living in the end of times. So years and decades go by after Christ, and so in the epistle of St. Peter, as we read today, that point was clarified when he said, But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. So, of course, we don't know when the second coming will be, but, of course, there's the second coming express train that we will all face, which is our departure from this world. And we will still see the signs that God is warning us of regarding our time on earth, a time where there is real war on our faith, war on God's teachings, war on our hope, war on the true expression of love. And Jesus, he said in today's gospel, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And in the scripture, the expression of cold is, is an expression of change or distortion of true love. Not that people will go from being kind to mean, but lawlessness will change how I understand love in the way that God teaches me to love. So why is it so critical to know God, to live according to His desire? Isn't God, we cannot fully understand God? How do we live according to His desire? And not only that, but how do we protect fiercely against any distortion of God's Word? Because as much as God is God, He still instituted for there to be a relationship, meaning that there is a mutual understanding, mutual respect for boundaries, mutual sharing of knowledge and gifts, in Luke chapter 13, Jesus, he says something that's very difficult. He says, strive to enter the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. So he is not seeking acquaintances, but relationships. And sometimes when we speak only about God's compassion and mercy, we then in a way distort his truth because those graces alone can come off as one-sided. But God is more than that. There is a dynamic experience with God that occurs through a life that is immersed in repentance and in which I express my life choices and paths in a way that pleases God. We pray at the end of the Litany of the Departed, grant us our Christian perfection. Do you know the rest? Grant us our Christian perfection that would be pleasing to you. We like to please our friends, our children, those in our society, our bosses. But those people will move 
they will maybe turn on me, they will pass away, and they will establish their own lives. And so they are part of my journey. They're not the goal of my journey. In the marriage commandments, we say to the man, do that which gladdens her heart. And we say to the woman, honor and respect your husband. So there are two parties and each has their boundaries and we have to make a choice as to whether or not I can handle that because there will be temptations to remove me from that union. And that is what Jesus is asking. What is your goal? What are you attracted to? He says today, then, though, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. Jesus is saying, you find or hear something that is distracting our relationship, flee from it. Remove it. Don't be lured by it. Because you can't have both. And he said you cannot serve two masters. St. Paul, he says, For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? It is like in our baptism. The priest does an exorcism in the baptisms. Sometimes it's not very clear, but it, it happens. If you see the priest blow in the face of the baby or the adult before the immersion, there's, that's an exorcism. He's casting out demons. And it is because it is to prepare for the immersion, to prepare for, to receive a grace of the Holy Spirit. The immersion is to then purify us in order to receive the Holy Spirit. You see, the, you see, how, you see how careful the church is in baptism to ensure that there is no confusion, that there is no demonic presence when I receive the Holy Spirit. The soul must be sanctified in order to receive God. Even when we... Um, even when uh, we immerse someone in the water, we have them take off jewelry. No earrings, nothing. Because nothing from the world, nothing that belongs to the world, should belong in this divine work. They cannot work together. So if there isn't the ability for me to separate light from darkness, then my repentance will be weak because I will not know how to break the tension. It's like the Israelites. They see all of God's work in freeing them from Egypt. Moses goes up to the mountain to receive the commandments from God. And within those 40 days, just within those 40 days, they start to worship the golden calf. And they start to complain about their food. There's no strength in the repentance. And the only way to God is through genuine repentance. Not in a negative sense. Sometimes maybe repentance has a negative connotation of that I always have to see myself as a bad person and I need to change. But it's to live a life that moves in the direction of the all-holy God, a dynamic one. I seek to please Him and He seeks also to protect me, guide me, grant me the graces that are of Him. It is a sharing relationship. Repentance is a desire for worthiness. That's a good thing. It's a desire for worthiness. Not just for validation that I'm doing okay, but to be known by God and to know God. 
because again, whether or not we are ready, we will stand in front of him and through our repentance, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. There is a question though, which is that if repentance is the relationship with God, but the end of times warns us, warns us of deception, even as he said today, even by those standing in the holy place, then how does God protect me? And Jesus, he said, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So Jesus is saying that the divine will of God is one. There is no change. There's no deviation. It is one will. And then he gives those words to his spouse, which is the mother, our mother, the church. He gives the words, and our mother says, the word which you hear is not mine, but my spouse is who sent me, and all of us are her children. When I come to hear the word of God, I probably shouldn't expect anything unique or different than what I'm used to, but maybe a reminder, or maybe we hear something that God allows me to finally has pierced my heart that day that I wasn't maybe seeking before. But there really isn't any, anything innovative about God's word in 2023. The, church, the church's innovation, our, the, the, our mother, the church, her innovation is like when we have a meeting, a spiritual meeting, we include food, okay? It's to uh, not uh, take away the, the thinking of hunger. That's, that's the innovation. Or coffee after, from nine countries. Then if anyone, he says, then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And so, of course, I thought about, as you all know, that Tillamook is my favorite ice cream, even though it is redundant in my life. But I've tried other things because I thought maybe this one offers something better for me, like Halo. Have you tried Halo? It's disgusting. <laughs> but they, they tell you, okay, but it's 50 calories for the whole pint. I don't need anything else, okay? Nor do you, okay? We don't need anything else other than the things that we know to be true. Toppings, they don't excite me. They don't. And on the contrary, it means that you're hiding something. And so Jesus, his teachings are simple and light and unchangeable. Let's not discount the role of a mother, though. When she has a direction that she wants to teach her children, she gives them the means to reach it. Mothers are better at this than fathers. It doesn't mean that her children will be receptive to it right away. But she is persistent knowing that with hope and guidance, her children will find the goodness in her discipline. A mother is persistent. So say you want to teach your child responsibility or sacrifice. You tell them, go fix your bed. I don't want to fix my bed. Fix your bed because you need to be responsible. Okay, but I'm just going to mess it up when I go back to sleep anyway. It's logical. Okay, but you need to learn how to accomplish small tasks. Okay, I'll brush my teeth. Yeah, but that's because you don't want people to judge you at school for your bad breath. So, but it's a small task and I've achieved it. Yeah, but you'll do it to prevent embarrassment. And, and on and on and on. And you might do that for 10 years to tell them to do their bed and they never do it. And it doesn't change. And if I 
ask him to do something else, it's not going to change it either. If I all of a sudden say, okay, well now take out the trash. The trash is, no, is not much better than, taking, than fixing my bed. At the end of the day, you continue to encourage them to do these small tasks in order for them to reach a greater achievement, which is responsibility. And our mother, the church, also gives us the means. The church, our mother, the church says, pray the Psalms. I don't want to. It helps guide your prayer. I can pray my own prayers. Okay, pray. Well, I don't know what to say. Okay, here's the Psalms. Okay, but I'm busy right now. Okay, memorize them. I shouldn't have to memorize them. Then read them. Okay, but I don't, right? I don't feel anything. Don't feel. Reflect. God already knows. And it goes on and on. We go through the same, no? And it's not going to get any better if our mother says, okay, don't pray the Psalms, just read the Bible. It'll be the same story, the same reactions. The mother encourages until her children finally reach a greater achievement, which is dialogue and communion with God. <clears throat> then her children will know that what was thought to be a monotonous and useless task turned out to be a very dynamic and rich experience. And all of us, <clears throat> although some here are five years old, 20 years old, 50 years old, 90 years old, <clears throat> From the perspective of God, we're all children. And so God, in his desire for relationship with us, he graces us with his goodness and asks for our undivided hearts. And he also implants his words in our hearts in simplicity to remind us and encourage us in our journey of repentance. To him be the glory both now and ever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. True, the same.